Chapter One of The Town Traveler. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Town Traveler by George Gissing. Chapter One Mr. Gammon Breakfasts in Bed. Moggy, the general, knocked at Mr. Gammon's door, and was answered by a sleepy, Hello. Mrs. Bubb wants to know if you know what time it is, sir, cause it's half-past eight and more. All right, sounded cheerfully from within. Any letters for me? Yes, sir, a eep. Bring em up, and put em under the door, and tell Mrs. Bubb I'll have breakfast in bed. You can put it down outside and shout. And I say, Moggy, ask somebody to run across and get me a police news and clippings and the kennel. Understand? Two eggs, Moggy, and three rashers, toasted crisp. Understand? As the girl turned to descend, a voice called to her from another room on the same floor, a voice very distinctly feminine, rather shrill, and a trifle imperative, Moggy, I want my hot water, sharp. It ain't nine yet, miss, answered Moggy in a tone of remonstrance. I know that, none of your cheek. If you come up here hollering at people's doors, how can anyone sleep? Bring the hot water at once, and mind it is hot. You'll have to wait till it gets hot, miss. Shall I? If it wasn't too much trouble, I'd come out and smack your face for you, you dirty little wretch. The servant, she was about sixteen and no dirtier than became her position, scampered down the stairs, burst into the cellar kitchen, and in a high, tearful wail complained to her mistress of the indignity she had suffered. There was no living in the house with that Miss Sparks, who treated everybody like dirt under her feet. Smack her face, would she? What next? And all because she said the water would have to be odded and Mr. Gammon wanted his breakfast in bed, and, and, why, there now it had all been drove out of her mind by that Miss Sparks. Mrs. Bubb, the landlady, was frying some sausages for her first-floor lodgers, as usual at this hour she wore, presumably, over some invisible clothing, a large shawl and a petticoat, her thin hair, black streaked with gray, knotted and pinned into a ball on the top of her head. Here and there about the kitchen ran four children, who were snatching a sort of picnic breakfast whilst they made ready for school. They looked healthy enough, and gabbled, laughed, sang without heed to the elder folk. Their mother, healthy too, and with no ill-natured face, a slow, dull, sluggishly mirthful woman of a common London type, heard Moggy out and shook up the sausages before replying. "'Never you mind, Miss Sparks. I'll give her a talkin' to when she comes down. What was it as Mr. Gammon wanted? Breakfast in bed? And what else? I never see such a girl for forgetting.' "'Well, didn't I tell you as my Ed had never closed the top?' urged Moggy in a plaintive key. "'How can I help myself?' "'Here, take them letters up to him and ask again. And if Miss Sparks says anything, don't give her no answer, see?' "'Billy, fill the big kettle and put it on before you go. "'Sally, you ain't a-going to school without brushing your hair. "'Do see after your sister, Janie, and don't let her look such a slap-cabbage.' 
Beatrice, stop that owlerin. It fair mesmerizes me. Having silently thrust five letters under Mr. Gammon's door, Moggy gave a very soft tap, and half-whispered a request that the lodger would repeat his orders. Mr. Gammon did so with perfect good humor. As soon as his voice had ceased, that of Miss Sparks sounded from the neighboring bedroom. "'Is that the water?' For the pleasure of the thing, Moggy stood to listen, an angry grin on her flushed face. "'Moggy, I'll give that little beast what for. Are you there?' The girl made a quick motion with both her hands as if clawing an enemy's face, then coughed loudly and went away with a sound of stamping on the thinly carpeted stairs. One minute later Miss Sparks' door opened, and Miss Sparks herself rushed forth, a startling vision of wild auburn hair about a warm complexion, and a small brisk figure girded in a flowery dressing gown. She called at the full pitch of her voice for Mrs. Bubb. Do you hear me? Mrs. Bubb, have the kindness to send me up my hot water immediately, this moment, if you please. There came an answer, but not from the landlady. It sounded so near to Miss Sparks that she sprang back into her room. Patience, Polly, all in good time, my dear. Wrong foot out of bed this morning? Her door slammed, and there followed a lazy laugh from Mr. Gammon's chamber. In due time the can of hot water was brought up, and soon after it came a tray for Mr. Gammon, on which, together with his breakfast, lay the three newspapers he had bespoken. Polly Sparks, throughout her leisurely toilet, was moved to irritation and curiosity by the sound of frequent laughter on the other side of the party wall. Uproarious peals, long chucklings in a falsetto key, staccato bursts of mirth. That is the comic stuff in clippings, she said to herself with an involuntary grin. What a fool he is! And why is he staying in bed this morning? Got his holiday, I suppose? I'd make better use of it than that. She came forth presently in such light and easy costume as befitted a young lady of much leisure on a hot morning of June. Meaning to pass an hour or two in quarreling with Mrs. Bubb, she had arrayed herself thus early with more care than usual, that her colors and perfumes might throw contempt upon the draggle-tailed landlady whom, by the by, she had known since her childhood. On the landing where she paused for a moment, she hummed an air with the foreseen result that Mr. Gammon called out to her. Polly? She vouchsafed no answer. Miss Sparks? Well, will you come with me to see my bow-wows this fine day? No, Mr. Gammon, I certainly will not. Thank you, Polly. I felt a bit afraid you might say yes. The tone was not offensive, whatever the words might be, and the laugh that came after would have softened any repartee with its undernote of good humor and harmless gaiety. Biting her lips to preserve the dignity of silence, Polly passed downstairs. Sunshine through a landing window illumined the dust floating thickly about the staircase and heated the familiar blend of lodging-house smells, the closeness of small rooms that are never cleansed, the dry rot of wallpaper, plaster, and old wood, the fustiness of clogged carpets, trodden thin, the ever-rising vapors from a sluttish kitchen. 
As Moggy happened to be wiping down the front steps, the door stood open, affording a glimpse of trams and omnibuses, cabs and carts, with pedestrians bobbing past in endless variety, the life of Kennington Road, all dust and sweat under a glaring summer sun. To Miss Sparks a cheery and inviting spectacle, for the whole day was before her, to lounge or ramble until the hour which summoned her to the agreeable business of selling programs at a fashionable theatre. The employment was precarious, even with luck in the way of tips it meant nothing very brilliant, but something had happened lately which made Polly indifferent to this view of the matter. She had a secret, and enjoyed it all the more because it enabled her to excite not envy alone, but dark suspicions in the people who observed her. Mrs. Bubb, for instance, who so far presumed upon old acquaintance as to ask blunt questions and offer homely advice, plainly thought she was going astray. It amused Polly to encourage this misconception, and to take offense on every opportunity. As she went down into the kitchen, she fingered a gold watch-chain that hung from her blouse to a little pocket at her waist. Mrs. Bubb would spy it at once, and in course of the quarrel about this morning's hot water, would be sure to allude to it. It turned out one of the finest frays Polly had ever enjoyed, and it was still rich in possibilities, when at something past eleven the kitchen door suddenly opened, and there entered Mr. Gammon. End of chapter 1 Recording by Arnold Banner, Mount Airy, North Carolina